Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Nun Ches. Today's shir is Le'ilu Mishmash Ba'ana Basileza. May Anashoma have an Aliyah and a memory of blessing. Um, also, may it be in the merit of uh, safety and uh, looking after and recovering all the Jews in Israel that need it. Amen. Um, okay, so we got up to Eshkechinu Mar on Nun Ches Amur Aleph 58a. It's the ninth line. So Ishikhana Ma Yehudal Rav Yosef Rav Shmuel Bereita Rabba Baba Chana. Mar Yehuda found Rav Yosef and Rav Shmuel, the son of Rabba Baba Chana, to have a kaimia pitch the bay rab. They were sitting by the, I think this is the entrance. I don't know if this is generally the bay rab is the yeshiva. The bay rab might be the yeshiva of Rabba. Says Omar Lahu Tanya. We learned in a brisa Hamakadesh bepeter chamor. The boss of a cholov of a chulin If someone performs kiddushin with one of these three, these three things, petechamor, that's the firstborn donkey, boss of meat and milk, and chulin that was slaughtered in the temple courtyard, Rabbi Shimon Oimer Mekudeshes, Chachamim Oimerim Einom Mekudeshes. Rabbi Shimon says it's a good marriage, and the Chachamim say it is not. A good marriage. Now, um, Alma, what do we see? Well, before we go there, so just quickly, all of these are just the one we left off yesterday, quite a, well, not what we left off yesterday, but um, Rabbi Shimon, as we saw above, says that Bosabacholov is also Bachila and Mutar Pahano, he had a whole different drosha. Um, Peter Chamor, we're discussing while it's alive. And again, we mentioned up above that as long as the Petechamor is alive, Rabbi Shimon holds its mutar. So that's the that's those two. And Chulin Shenishchatu Bazor is the one we're discussing. What we I should have mentioned what we discussed yesterday. Remember, Chulin Shenishchatu Bazor. If you take a non-sacred animal and and slaughter it in the temple courtyard, it becomes, according to the opinion that we brought above, Osur Bahano. And now we say, um, Rabbi Shimon also holds, it's a good kiddushin. If a man slaughters an animal in the temple, a non-sacred animal in the temple courtyard, it's a good kiddushin if he uses that animal to marry her. So we see that he holds that this isur of chulin shenishrutu ba'zora is not do'oraisa. Okay, because if he held it was Isu Doraisa, then it would be also. But he holds it's not an Isu Doraisa. And then the Gomorrah just clarifies, um, Rashi clarifies for us um, why. So, um, so then why do we say that you have to dispose of a non sacred animal that was slaughtered in the temple courtyard? If according to Rabbi Shimon it's not Doraisa, why do we see that you do have to dispose, you have to burn it? So that would be a because I don't want you to get mixed up with other slaughtered sacrifices that become invalid. Because what do you do with them? You burn them. So if someone sees you slaughter this animal in the temple courtyard, bring it out and eat it, well then they're going to say, oh, so that animal, for whatever reason, couldn't be used as a korban. Let's take it and eat it. Where if it's a korban that was, became invalid, you'd have to burn it. So therefore they say, so too with chulin chenishchut tu bazora, you have to burn it. Yeah, and that's what he says. Alma chulin chenishchu tu bazora le shimon laptoraisa. We said according to that chulin that was slaughtered in the temple courtyard, according to Rabbi Shimon, is not toraisa. Very minimal, but I'm going to show you a contradiction. Rabbi Shimon, I mean, Rabbi Shimon says chulin chenishchu tu bazora yisrufu, 
Kulin that was slaughtered in the temple courtyard must be burnt. Okay, I've explained so far why it must be burnt. But he says, And so to a chaya that is slaughtered in the temple courtyard. What's a chaya? Um, well, we know what a chaya is, but why is, what's the surprising thing by telling us so too at the chaya? So remember, a chaya is, well, not a domesticated animal, a wild animal, a deer, a giraffe, or any, of, any other kosher animal that's not a cow, sheep, or goat. Um, he says, so too, if you slaughter them in the temple courtyard, you would have to burn it. Now, if, this is how Rashi explains it, if Chulin Shenishchutu Bazora was only Durabonin, as I explained, because you might get confused with a korban, you'll never get confused between a deer and a korban, because a deer can never be a korban, or a giraffe and a korban, whatever kosher animal you're dealing with, that's not a behemoth, you'd never get confused between it and a korban. So granted, we understand, if it's Durabon and why you have to burn a lamb that was slaughtered in the temple courtyard, why would you have to slaughter this deer that was slaughtered in the temple courtyard. Why would you have to burn the deer that was slaughtered in the temple courtyard? The reason for the Gezerah does not apply. So therefore we must deduce by the fact that Rabbi Shimon says even a wild animal, a chaya that was slaughtered in the temple courtyard has to be burned. Must be. He holds it to Isodoraisa. So now we have a contradiction. Because in the first discussion we brought um, Um, in the first this, in the first point we brought, Rabbi Shimon says you can marry a woman with it, implying that it's only an isudra bonen. And in the second bride, um, so we've just proven by the fact that he says it's also a chayas to be burned, must be he holds a doraisa. So that's the question he asked. So remember how the story started up. Mar Yehuda found Rav Yosef and Rav Shmuel, and he asked them this question. So Ishtu. They were silent and also the came the rabbi, so they came before Rabbi Omar Lahu Palko Kimchanu Ukamincha. The the argumentative one has stumped you. Since he gives Mario Huda this title, the argumentative one, it seems he kept the rush, he explains. He, he was it was his nature, he used to what play devil's advocate. He used to always ask these questions that would uh, Cause uh, havoc. Says and What's the case here? What are we dealing with here? It's where the animal was slaughtered and found a trafer. I this that he used this meat to marry the woman is where the animal was found to be a trafer. The Rabbi Shimon and this is Rabbi Shimon according to his general opinion. If someone slaughters an animal knowing it's a trafer, or it turns out that it's a trafer. They are both treated as chulin that was slaughtered in the Azora. They're also. Rabbi Shimon Matir Bahano, Rabbi Shimon says you can get Hano. Sorry, sorry. When you, if you shecht either of these animals, an animal that you knew was a trafer or an animal that came out to be a trafer, it's considered chulin Bazora. Rabbi Shimon Matir Bahano, Bachachomim Oisrim. Rabbi Shimon said you are allowed to get Hano, and the Chachomim say you're not allowed to get Hano. Now the Chachomim we understand because the Chachomim hold, it's non-sacred animal that was slaughtered in the temple courtyard. But why would Rabbi Shimon hold this animal that you slaughtered and turns out it's a trafer? You can get benefit from it. Why would Rabbi Shimon hold that? So Rashi, this is Rabbi Shimon's opinion that he uses um, Rabbi Shimon the time he says, 
If you do a shechita that does not enable you to eat the animal, it does not count as a shechita. Quite an interesting, here, you had an animal, you did a perfect shechita, just the animal had a hole in the membrane, or it had a hole in its esophagus, or something like that, or a slit in its trachea, whatever reason it was a trefa, that animal cannot be eaten. So Rabbi Shimon holds, it does not count as a shechita. So now let's translate that back into our case. You have an animal that was not shechted in the temple courtyard because it doesn't count as a shechita. So it doesn't become osir. And that's why Rabbi Shimon said, you can um, use it to marry a woman. The value obviously is not as expensive as kosher meat, but does still have a value. You could sell it to a non use it for animal food, so it still has a value. So that's Rabbi Shimon. So again, where we, where we end, how we're ending off the sugya is that um, the Orisa, it seems everyone holds that. You cannot use according to these opinion is an Osir Doraisa. It's interesting because elsewhere the Rishonim seems to say it's only a Isudra but here it seems to be they're all learning it's an Isu Doraisa. However, ah, oh, but we saw Rabbi Shimon says you can marry a woman with Kulin Shenishutu Bazara. So he says, no, that's where it was, came out. The animal was a trefer. If it's a trefer, it doesn't count as a shechita. So it's not chulin she nishchitu ba'azara. It's chulin that was just killed in azara, which is not a problem. It's the shechita in the azara that makes it osir. Okay, um, just something interesting to think about is, so there's a... Uh, no, let's go on. I, I just wanted to discuss, because if you hold us a osudra bonon to shet chulin ba'azara, does that make it a, here if a human holds to a rice that would be a good kiddushin with it, even though to Rabbonin you would not be allowed to? And so that's something to discuss. When would the Rabbonin overrule that? Um, okay, next point. Mochron v'kiddush b'dmei If you sell any of these items that we've been discussing over the last two days and you marry, use the money for kiddushin, it is a good kiddushin. I, If you take the... You weren't supposed to get benefit from it, but let's say you sold the meat and milk. Can you use that money for Kiddushin? To be quite practical, if a Jew owns a non-kosher restaurant, there's a good chance that they've mixed meat and milk and cooked meat and milk, so it's also by noise. He's allowed to use the money at the, that is made at the end of the day to perform Kiddushin. So he says, So we said he, the Mishnah said he is allowed to use that money. Where do we know this? Because the Torah reveals to us It will be Osur like it. The drosha on that is that anything that it brings about is like it. I just as the Avodah Zora is uh, Osur, so to any money made from it is Osur. That implies that it's just a Zorah that's Osur. All other Isurim in the Torah, it would be permitted. So money you make from Avodah Zorah, you sell Avodah Zorah and you make money. Very simply, you transfer the Avodah Zorah for money, you sell it. That money is Osur, but by all other Isurim in the Torah, it would be fine. Yeah. Why? Why are we stricter with Avodah Zorah? Yeah. I, mean, I think because it's Avodah Zorah. <laughs> the money... It's the same, not the same, but I, you are, you're isolating one issue. You say that is not good enough. 
But I can sell more, more conveniently. So you're not allowed to sell it, but if you did sell it, it yeah. I can use the value. Yeah. So you're saying it should, the transfer will should occur. If you had to put anything, this uh, is fix a more convenient. It's trade. But it's it's not for his true. animal or for his servant or so, whatever. Right. I'm not following what? Let's say you sell something that's more milk and meat, or animal that hasn't been shechted properly. The no, those are two things. An animal that hasn't been shechted properly, you can sell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Milk and meat, there's an isur It means a milk So that's a different discussion. Let's see a bit further. Let me think about it. Why don't we use Avodazara as a precedent? So he says, Because Avodah Zorah and Shviz, I produce from the Shemitah, are two psukim coming to teach the same point. We've seen this. I feel like we've seen this drach a few times in this Masechta. But, it, but it's whenever you have in the Torah a principle taught once, we would generally use that as a precedent. Oh, you find Avodah Zorah is forbidden. If you sell Avodah Zorah, even the proceeds are forbidden. Well, then we should use that as a precedent. When you have two psukim tell us the same principle, well, then the Torah is telling us limited to these two principles. So that's what he's saying. You can't learn from two psukim um, that come to teach the same thing. As we've said, and Shvi is my he. Where do we see that shvi'is, even the even the what you sell shvi'is for becomes also? So Gemara says yoyvel. The Gemara explains from the pasuk yoyvel he kodesh tielochem. It's yoyvel. It is kodesh tihiye. It shall remain kodesh for you. Ma kodesh toyfes as sorry kodesh tielochem. It will be kodesh for you. I ma kodesh toyfes is damos af shvi'is toyfes is tamel. Just as kodesh takes hold of its Value, so to Shviz takes hold of its value. What that means is if you redeem a korban for money, that money becomes, or sorry, if you redeem Kodesh, temple property for money, that money becomes Kodesh. So to Vashviz, if you sell it for money, that money becomes Kodesh. And it says, It says, Oh, but wait. Once the Kedusha has taken hold of the money, the article becomes Hulin. We should say the same thing by Shviyas. If you sell, if you donate a car to the base, I mean, the base, I mean, that doesn't need the car. So they sell it. The money becomes Kadosh and the car becomes Hulin. So we should say the same thing by the Shviyas produce. If you sell Shviyas produce, the money becomes has the laws of Shviz, I after a certain time you have to get make it hefka, you have to get rid of it, whatever. But um, um I'll do Kudusha Shviz. Um but the um but the produce should then become Hulin. Says so Talmud Loimar, which we know is not the case. I mean, we'll see, but we know it's not the case. We know that the Shvi's produce remains Shvi's produce even if you sell it. So all that happens is the Shvi's produce is, remains Kadosh, and the money also becomes basically Shmitim produce money. Says so, so Talmud Loimar, because the Torah says Tihiye it remains as it is. Kaitzad. So what do you mean by this? Now we have a contradiction. We have. This aspect of Shvi's produce that the money it's sold for becomes Kodosh, or the atom it is exchanged for becomes Kodosh, and the Shvi's produce 
itself remains Kodosh. So how does that work? But on the other hand, we see it's like Kodesh, that it can be transferred. So he says, If you exchange the Shemitah produce for meat, they both have to be disposed of like the laws of dogim. You then exchange the meat for fish, Yotzal Basar, the Basar becomes Chulin, and Nichnas Hudagim, the fish enter their place and they become like Shmita produce. For Dagim Yayin, if you then exchange that fish for wine, Yotzal Dagim Nichnas Yayin, the Yayin becomes Chulin, the fish becomes Chulin and the wine becomes Kodosh. But Yayin Shemen, you exchange that wine for oil, the Yotzal Yayin, the wine becomes Chulin, and the Shemen becomes Shmita produce. What's the general principle? The last item has the Kedusha Shviz holding on it. And the fruit itself is Asur. So, not to get too complicated, but we see Shmita also has this principle that the item you exchange it for becomes Kodosh. So, we have two. We have Avodah Zorah and Shmita teaching us the same principle that the money they're sold for, or the item that they're exchanged for, gets the same status as them. We just saw that by Schmitter, that the secondary items can transfer the Kedusha Shviz to something else. Um, but we see that, so it's two psukim coming to teach us the same halachas, so we limit it to those things. This comes out very well according to the one who says you can't learn from two tzukim that teach us the same halach el leman amma malamdim, but according to the opinion that we do learn, ma'ikelamayma, what are you going to say? Um, Can I just clarify? One sec, one sec. Um, uh, sorry, one sec. Ein malamdim, ma'ikelamayma. So, according to that opinion, you're right. You can't learn it based on this rasha, but there's a mute. Ksiv hacha ki chayrem hu. Ba'avodazora it says, it is chayrem. I uksivasom yovel he he it remains yovel I in he in midiachrini law. These are the only two items that the kedusha transfer the kedushas the, uh, their status transfers onto new item. It it's in this case and in this case, but no other cases. So either way, we have a drosha that this transferal is limited. Just to go, I'll come to your question. Just to go back to Mervyn's question. So. We see it's a drosha. Okay? Why should we say it by Vodazora and not by other things? It's a drosha. Um, why should it be different? That's your question. Almost underlying what's the logic. That's a good question. I'm not sure. But just look at Tosos quickly. Still coming to your question. Um, Tosos quickly. And um, he says, How can you treat this as two psukim that come to teach the same thing? Now remember, when do you say this drosh of two psukim coming to teach us the same thing is when both you wouldn't need the second pasuk because you'd learn it out from the first one. That would be that would be the principle. Uh, the Torah tells me by just for example, the Torah tells me by Avodah, the one we're dealing with, just because we're familiar with it. The Torah tells me by Avodah Zorah, whatever you exchange it for, also gets the status of Avodah Zorah. I wouldn't need it to. I would use that as a principle even by Hegdesh. Sorry, but, sorry, even by all other laws in the Torah, even Shvi'is. But what happens if I can't learn our Shvi's from Avodah Zarah? 
For whatever reason, we're going to see now. But what happens if you can't learn out fees from Azvorah Then you can't call it two psukim coming to teach the same halacha because I wouldn't know the second pasuk if I didn't teach it, even though I have the first pasuk. So that's what he says. Hey, have a bag from Kehod. Holo, I teach fees from Avodas Kochavim. You could never learn out fees from Avodas Kochavim. The ikel emifrach mal Avodas Kochavim shekain asur ba'no. Avodas Kochavim is much stricter than fees because you're not allowed to get any benefit from it. So he says you could learn the other way around. You, the Torah could have written this principle by Shemitah and not taught it, and then you would know it by Avodah Zorah, so by the fact that it teaches it by Shemitah and Avodah Zorah, you have the two psukim, etc. But it's an interesting one uh, thing. Um, and then he also tells us to uh, grapple with this. That is it a real... Uh, but I'm not, yeah, I'm trying to think why should Avodah Zorah would say it makes sense to treat Avodah Zorah more severely. You're not so keen to no, say no, it, would, it would make sense well, against the idea. You just want to know what's the underlying what reason. Yeah, well, I have to think well, about that. I'm not sure. Yeah. My problem is that private produce, you're not allowed to trade at all. Never can you trade Schmitter produce. Look, firstly, if you do trade it, it's considered traded. It's traded, but you're not allowed to. Um, are you not even small scale? No. Am I not allowed to? You should be able benefit small scale. Yeah, it does say, but if someone does... That's not the same as the And there are ways that you sell it with Otsar Beisdin and things like that. They still have... There's still a huge Shemitah produce, and you're selling the land, and the land's like yours. Otsar Beisdin is Shemitah produce. If you buy something that falls under Otzer Beisdin, you have to treat it like Schmitter produce. I don't know if everyone agrees with Otzer Beisdin, but it's, it's a no. technical thing where you, the Beisdin own the produce and therefore there's no issue of selling it because, you know, something like that. And you might be <coughs> just recouping the labor or something, but it's, the produce it still has Kedusha Shvi's. Okay, so so I'm not sure I'm not sure of that principle. Okay, um, let's go on to the next Mishnah. Hamakadesh betrumos of masters of matonos. If someone proposes to a woman where trumos of masters, we know what those are. Matnos, those are the other gifts given to the kohen. For example, every time you shaft an animal, you're supposed to give the foreleg, the zroelechaim and the kaver, the foreleg, the cheek, and the kaver. That's one of the stomachs. To the Kohen. So those you can also, it says, The water from the Korban Chattas and the Efer Para, if you marry with any of those, that we'll discuss the second, these Mei Chattas and Efer Para, the water used for the those are the two things used for the Poraduma service. You know, you have to get special spring water and you put the ash of the Poraduma in that. So those are what it's discussing, that water and that ash. It's a good Kiddushin. Ba'afilu Yisrael. And even if Yisrael uses it. Okay, so these points will be discussed in the Gemara, but let's go um, into the Gemara. The Gemara is based on the Gemara is based on the assumption how can a person use truma for kiddushin? If the Yisrael has truma, how can he use that as kiddushin? Doesn't he have to give it to a kohen? So if he uses it to marry this woman, wouldn't she have to give it to a kohen? So what value does it have? So the assumption is what we call tovas hano. What's tovas hano? 
Tavasana is almost a token benefit, and that is you can have one person can pay this farmer or this person to give that truma to a specific person. So, because remember, okay, you can never accept money from a kohen to accept it to him because you're not allowed to sell the truma to him, you have to give it. But let's say you have a grandfather whose grandchildren are all kohanim. His daughter, he was Israel, his daughter married a kohen, so now his grandchildren are kohanim. So he can pay a farmer to, instead of, I know you've got your good friend Aaron Akoin and you want to give him your truma. I'm going to pay you to give it to my grandchildren, Elazar and Itamar, the Kohanim. So that value is what's called Tovasano. That value that someone would pay. And basically, by telling me that a woman can use truma, that a man can use truma to propose to, propose to a woman, must be because Tovas Hanor is considered something, is considered a monetary value. Either that you would give the woman the truma, she now has the Tovas Hanor value of the truma, and therefore it's a good kiddushin. So Omar, Ula, Ula said Tovas Hanor, Eino Mamon. Tovas Hanor is not considered Mamon. There's Aisiva there, Aisiva Rebbe Abba. The Ula Rebbe Abba challenged Ula from our mission and says, I'm a carriage, but Trumus Masters of Matos, but my Hatos for Opera Pora, and Raisa Mukadesh, as well as Israel. It is a good Kiddushan and even Israel. Now, again, as I said, what, are you, what value does the Truma have that you're using to propose to this woman? It must be the Tobasano. So, how can Ula say it doesn't count as Mammon? Also, why would Ula say it doesn't count as Mammon? I think simply because. Uh, because she has to then find, it's not a clear value, because she would have to find an Israel who's interested in paying her to give this truma to another Kohen. It's not necessarily such a straightforward thing, that Tovas Hanor. So that's why it wouldn't be Mammon. But again, if you're going to tell me it's not Mammon, Ula, how do you understand our Mishnah? So Amrlai says, no, the case here is where Israel inherited Tevel from his grand, his mother's father, and his grandfather who was a Kohen. We'll come on to the last line, but just to get clear what's happening here, his grandfather was a Kohen. His grandfather had produce that was Tevel. I needed, still needed the Trumas and the Master, etc. to be taken from it. He died, so his mother inherits her father's estate. And now, let's say the mother's already dead, so it goes to him, this grandson. So now he's a grandson who's inherited Tevel from a Kohen. Because Sofar and Al-Tana holds, The gifts that are supposed to be separated, even if they have not yet been separated, it's as if they've been separated. Let's just go back a step. What's, remember Tevel, what's Tevel? Grain that you haven't separated, the Truma and the master in it. So do we view Tevel as its own status of produce and you still have to separate the Truma and the Master, etc. Or do we view Tevel as produce with Truma and Master, etc. mixed into it? The Truma is there. It just hasn't been taken out. The Master is there. It just hasn't been taken out. So if you learn Altana that it's even though you haven't separated them, it's as if they're there. So what happens? You have the grandfather, and this would be the exact same. Rashi discusses the whole reason Ul is doing this is to create a chidush. But a simpler case, which would be the same thing, is you have a grandfather who owns truma. This kohen, he owns truma. 
he dies, his daughter inherits it, she inherits the truma, which again, which belonged to the Kohen. She's already predeceased him, or she, whatever she does, and now the grandson is Israel inherits it. Since it was owned by Kohen, it's his property. Granted, he can't eat it, so he can sell it to another Kohen. It's not like truma that he has to separate and give to a Kohen, because this truma was already separated and given to a Kohen, so it's his. Again, he can't eat it, so he has to do something else with it. But it is his. He can sell it. So he can sell it. So now we have, so now we understand our Mishnah. This truma that the Mishnah says counts as mammon to marry a woman with, even if it's a Yisrael, is truma that he inherited from his grandfather the Kohen. Quite a what we call it a almost a far-fetched okinta. Like is this really when Rebbe compiled this Mishnah, is that what he was thinking of? But according to Ulla, yes. It wouldn't, he holds Tavas Hanoi is not considered a mammon. He's saying it's no more far-fetched to say that the value that this woman or this man could, could, would receive from someone to give them grain to a different Kohen, he says that's not mammon in its own right. So this is as, as far-fetched or as likely. Okay, so now we're going to continue on, see this Machlokes again of is Tavas Hanoi considered Mammon, so boy, minai rebi chebar abin meravuna, rebi chebar abin osravuna. Toivas hanor mammon, I know mammon is toivas hanor considered money or not. Does it consider, is it considered a real value or not? So on my late tini tour, we'll look at our Mishnah. Makadesh betrumus masrus matnos, vay pratos, lofa poro, harezum, ukadeshus, vapil Israel. Even Israel who, I'm just going to paraphrase what we need, even Israel who marries with truma, it's a good truma. So it must be. Tovazano is mammon, otherwise by taking this truma and marrying, giving it to this girl for Kesek Yidushin, what value is she receiving? Must be, she is receiving the Tovazano, which is considered mammon. So, says, no, but didn't we learn this Mishnah? Must be a case where it's talking about truma that Israel inherited from his mother's father, the Kohen. So it's actually truma that he does own. It's not truma that he only owns the Tobas Hanoi in it, it's truma that he actually owns. So it definitely has a monetary value. So Amalei, Hutza at, he says, you're Hutza. What does Hutza mean? So he says, Irsif, he became embarrassed. Rav Chir became very embarrassed that Rav Huna called him Hutza. Wow, who saw him? He was telling him, you're totally outside the sugya. I, what did he say? You have no idea what you're talking about. You're bringing in all these irrelevant points. You basically, you're not holding. You're not a, you're, uh, you don't understand what's going on. You're not a Talmud Chacham and you're just not grasping it. So that's what he thought he meant by Hutza. That would be from the language of outside. Uh, you just, you're just not in it. I guess you'd say the same thing. Are you in the sugya? You get the sugya? You're out of it. You're totally out of it. That's why he got embarrassed. Oh, my says, no, 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 don't be embarrassed. And what I was telling you, Rav Asi the Hutzal Koi say, Rav Asi of Hutzal, I Hutzata, you're like the, you're like Rav Asi of Paskins like you. I was actually giving you a compliment. But you know, when you suggest something and the rebbe goes, ah, that's like Toswas. Oh, Rabbi, give Eichas that question. That's that's a good question. That's nachos. So that's what he's saying. Hutzata, you like Ravasi? Ravasi goes like you. That's a compliment. Okay. So either way, we have this 
discussion of how to learn our Mishnah is it talking about Tovas or not? The two opinions we've seen so far do not want to learn Tovas as Maman. But Naimah Kanai, let's say it's actually a Maman Loi gets to know. If someone steals Tevel from his friend, so your friend's a farmer, you go steal his Tevel, Jane. Says, um, you pay back the value of the tevil. That's Rebbe's opinion. You only pay the value of the chulin. So you would minus the truma and masa from it. And that's what the thief pays the thing. So according to Rebbe, you're paying the full value. And according to Rebbe Yosef, Rebbe you're just paying the value of the chulin, i.e. minus the truma and the masras. Says my love, the whole must be that they're arguing the following: the mice of a tovus mamon. The one opinion holds that tovus is mamon. Or mice of a tovus mamon, and the other opinion holds that tovus is not mamon. Why? Rebbe holds tovus is considered mamon. So the thief has to pay back the chulin plus the truma, etc., because the Owner of the grain has benefit. Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yudu says he just pays the value of the chulin, not the value of the truma and stuff. It's because he, he, the, we don't consider it mamon. So the farmer actually doesn't own the truma and masters, etc. Therefore, the thief didn't steal truma and masters from him. All the thief stole was. The value of the chulin. Interesting enough, then, so the kohen would then have to, a kohen would have to go to the thief and say, pay me for the truma you stole. And what would the thief tell him, Rashi points out? He says, no, you, I want to give it to a different kohen. Because yeah. remember, to know he doesn't owe it to a specific kohen, he owns it to any kohen. So any kohen who comes to him, he could say, I want to give it to a different kohen. So the thief could still keep the truma. Again, he, he, hopefully he's a Kohen thief, because otherwise it's gonna, he's going to have to sell it, etc. But either way, what do we see? We have a Matlokas. Now, just think about this. So what's the value? You have... So how do you say a coin thief? Okay. I'm just trying to think so that you have this thief who has truma. Yeah. So what's he going to do with the truma? If he's a Kohen, okay, so he eats it. Yeah. He says, I don't want to give it to Elazar Akoin, I don't want to give it to Aaron Akoin, I'm going to keep it for myself. If he's a Yisrael, what's he going to do with it? Because he still has a mitzvah to give it to a Kohen. Well, truma is isur. What's that? Misabidei shomayim. So it's not not based in, but misabidei shomayim. So it's quite strict. So the stealing's not as. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean the, the Gemara and Tanakh often criticize Jews for getting their values wrong, and I don't want to say we free from it. You know, uh, I'm just. Uh, in these times, you have uh, Jews who are obsessed with uh, how a judicial reform... Uh, you know, uh, no, let's not go there. Um, you have Jews obsessed with one mitzvah, with how they... Uh, with their esrog and how many tiny little white dots are on the top third of the esrog and spending hours and thousands of rands on that. And then they, uh, someone needs charity and they don't have any money to give them someone... Uh, you know, they, they embarrass someone because they don't, uh, they're not prepared to uh, eat the same standard as them. So people always have lost. We see in their Gomorrahs elsewhere, we see their, their focus on Tum and Tahara way outweighed the normal considerations. Their cases of injury and death. But 
they were worried about Truma and Tahara, you know, and I think Truma, so certain things, they were, I don't know how careful, like Truma they were careful just because it's quite severe and the, the, the penalties, but, you know, and I, like I'm just saying, they had their values skewed and it was something they needed to work on and we also have our values skewed and it's something we need to work on. You can also think sometimes, you know, you have a special, thank God I think last night was very well intended, sometimes you'll have a special prayer gathering or a special shir for the schus of something and you get a meager turnout. You have a political event, uh, you know, uh, and you get hundreds and hundreds of people, like, okay, where, where, where your values are. I'm not saying what people relate to is necessarily wrong, but it's just something we always have to, I think, analyze and reflect in ourselves where what our answer. But yeah, so you have this thing. Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm not saying that it's wrong to come to this. Yeah. Say she's wrong to come. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully the people at home learning with their chavrusas. Um, so, 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 okay, but that's a, so, 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 and then another question is, how much is Tavos, so let's say here this farmer has 100 uh, kilograms, this thief stole 100 kilograms of flour, so let's just say 10% of it's going to Trumas so it's a little bit over 10%, but, or 20, whatever it is, 10% is going to Trumas so 10 kilograms of flour going to Trumas What's their value? Their value isn't a normal, it's Tavos Hanor. Which is much less. Again, how much would a friend pay this kohen, this farmer or this thief to give the trimmer to another kohen? You know, like, what's that value? So, does he, when we say that the thief has to pay the full value, are we saying literally the full value, or are we saying the value of the chulin plus tovasano? Okay, so that's a discussion in Rishonim, but that's just something to consider. Let's just uh, finish up. Oh, so then, so, so that's our first suggestion, as it's a Mafloikas Tanayim, if you say Tovas Hanoi is Mamun or not. Law. Not necessarily. We're going to basically bring a whole lot of possibilities of learning this Mafloikas. Again, Rebbe says the thief has to pay back the full amount, and Rebbe Yosim, Rebbe Yudah says, no, the thief only has to pay the value of the Chulin, excluding the Trumas and Masros. And, uh, or at least the Truma, and the other opinion, so, so we wanted to say it's a machlokis of Tovasana. So the Muslim says, no, not desert. The Kuli Amu Tovasana, You could say that everyone holds that Tovasana is not considered money. It's not considered a value. Oh, so then why would Rebbe say he has to pay back everything? We're dealing with a case where this person owned Tevel that fell to him from his grandfather, the Kohen. And the Matonos, do we view it as if the Matonos have already been separated is what they're arguing in. The one opinion holds it as if they've already been separated. So this this Yisrael, who the thief stole the Tevel from, actually owned the Truman, so therefore he has to pay back the full amount according to Rebbe. Or Mahasofa Rebbe Yosef Rebbe says, love Kamisha it's not as if they've separated. So this Truma was never owned by Kohen, so therefore when the thief separates the Truma, or the thief can say, this Truma never belonged to the guy I stole it from, therefore I'm not returning it to him. Of the Iboy say, alternatively, you can say, the Kuliyama Kamisha Humadami, and everyone holds that it is as if it has been separated. And what are they arguing? But Tovas Hanoah ain't mamun, and everyone holds that Tovas Hanoah is not mamun. Here they're arguing in 
the opinion of Shmuel. The Amr Shmuel Shmuel says, Once you've given one grain of wheat, you've exempted the pile. I, we know the Oraisa, how much truma do you have to give? There's no amount. You can give as much as you want or as little as you want, Oraisa. If so, but the Rabbonin came along and you have to give between 140th and 160th, depending on how generous you are. What happens if someone does separate one grain of truma? What's the status of the pile? So granted, the Rabbonin, you should be giving more. Shmuel says, it's still no longer considered truma. So Damar is later Shmuel. Rebbe holds for Shmuel. So when this thief says to the farmer, or the guy he stole the tevil from, he says, fine, I'll return the value of the grain, but I'm not returning you the value of the chuli, of the truma. What does the farmer say to him? Well, I was only going to give one grain of truma. So I think you have to pay back the full amount anyway. Whereas, Rabbi Yosef does not hold for Shmuel. I, you have to separate, let's say, one fiftieth of truma, and therefore that's what the farmer could that's what the thief could say. I never stole that from you. It wasn't yours, and I'm not returning it. The Ibozaim, alternative way to explain the Machaloi The Kuli Alma Everyone argues on the What's the reason behind Rebbe? That you have to return the full value of the grain? The Khan of the rabbis penalized the thief. You're right. Minadim, the thief only has to pay the Khulin and he doesn't have to pay the value of the Truma. But the rabbis said, no, we, want, we don't want the thief to gain in this situation, so we're going to make him pay back the full amount. You could also say that, sorry, everyone agrees with Shmuel. But then what's the reason that Rabbi Yosef says, says you have to return the, just the value of the chulin? Again, can't the farmer say, I, I would only have separated one grain for truma, and therefore you, the thief, has to pay me the full value of the grain? Not just the value of the chulin. There's no the rabbis penalized the balabais because he should not have had grain lying around that is tevil. They say, you're right, Minadin, you should be receiving full compensation for the tevil that was stolen from you. But the rabbonin come along and penalize him because he should not have had tevil lying around. He should have had a you're right, a bag of grain and next to it. <coughs> a small pack of uh, truma that is already separated. Okay, now we're going on to the last point of our Mishnah. Um, so he says, um, <coughs> So we said that if someone marries worth, proposes, tries to do kiddushin worth, trumas, masros, matnos, We've discussed all of those now. Bemei chattas, the water of the chattas, and the offer, pora, the ash of the pora. Remember, this is all to do with the ritual of the pora duma. Areizu mukudeshes, it is a good kiddushin. Afalpi, shishol, even if he's robbed. But they raise the contradiction. Hanoiter scharlodun dinov betalim. If someone receives money to judge a court case, his judgment is invalid. Lahayid, if someone receives money to testify, a dusa betalim, his testimony is invalid. If someone receives money to sprinkle um, or to mix the ashes, the, the Poraduma mixture. So again, the, the reason you want the mixture of the Mechatas and the Poraduma, etc., is to purify people's sprinkling. So if a Kohen receives money to sprinkle it or to prepare the Poraduma water, Meim of Meim the waters are cave water, it's a foul. Uh, 
disgraceful water, the afra afra makla, and the ash is regular ash, it has no kadusha. So what do we see? If you receive money for the paraduma, it totally invalidates it. So when this guy tries to use the paraduma water or ashes for kiddushin, it should it's, it, it loses its value. It has no value anymore. So how are you performing kiddushin with it? So Amar Bai Loi Kasha Bai says, no, it's not difficult. Kan b'schar havo milui, kan b'schar hazove kiddush. It's different payments. Here it's the value of delivering it or drawing the water. That's quite intensive and therefore it's not unreasonable to pay someone to deliver it. However, kan b'schar hazove kiddush, but to just pay a coin to sprinkle it or to mix it, you know, once he has all the ingredients just to mix it, that's an invalid um, um, That would be an invalid Kiddushin. And Daikin Hamidiktani, you can actually deduce this if you read the Mishnah carefully, because the Mishnah says, Diktani Hatha, the Mishnah says, yeah, B'mei Chattas Uva'ofor Para. The water for the Chattas, I deliver on the water, Uva'ofor Para. The ash of the para, I just mix it in. Uktani, um, sorry, or 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 uh, bringing the bringing in. Uktani hasam and it teaches over there where it taught that it's invalid, it loses its status. It says lahasos it uses language to sprinkle or to mix. Shmamina. So that's pretty. Abaya's distinction is pretty conclusive. Hadron alocha ishma kadesh. Hadron alocha ishma kadesh. Hadron alocha ishma kadesh. Should we stop? Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's uh, quite a long path tomorrow, so I'm going to start, but we'll start a new parrot tomorrow.